Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. All right, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. everybody and welcome in to the penny bloom podcast today we continue our director's spotlight for christopher nolan today is dunkirk released july 21st 2017 written by christopher nolan directed by christopher nolan i am colton robertson and i'm joined by joseph george what's up homie what up what up always a pleasure to be here Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you, and I'm especially excited to talk to you today about Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. I officially have a new second favorite Wes, or Wes Anderson, so heavy on the mind, <laughs> uh, Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Interstellar is going to be hard to top, and I doubt it will ever be topped. But, you know, last week, literally last week, we were talking about how The Prestige was probably my favorite looking movie of Christopher Nolan's. That is officially mm-hmm. not the case anymore. As yeah. uh, I've I've moved on to Dunkirk, a visually pleasing movie to the fucking max. Love yeah. this. Shit. A surprise as well. I don't know. I was coming into this movie being like, oh, well, it's Nolan. He's dark. He's gritty. He's real. So this is going to be just very, you know, a Way. lot of that. But uh, yeah, no, no, I was I was very surprised to see. Potentially um, his most colorful film to date, man. Yeah. I, uh, Uh, Like, literally, my favorite, like, let's kick it off with my favorite shot of the movie because it's literally how the movie kicked off. Um, The street with the buildings Uh, lining both sides and the paper raining down with the soldiers walking down it immediately set the tone in a way that I did not anticipate. And I was immediately taken by. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, okay, I'm in. I'm excited for the way this one's going to look. And uh, that that was more than anything else, man. I, I loved the way this movie looked. You know, uh, the color Very, palette like, was extremely pleasing. Minty or like a yeah. like a I don't know what turquoise maybe like I, like a, a lot of blue like light light blues. Yeah, the light um, the blues had like this mint hue, and the warm mm-hmm. colors had what I I called like a cream sickle, mm-hmm. sort of like this orangish thing going on. Okay. That yeah, I yeah. Uh, I really really enjoyed, and I thought it was just. A, lovely to look at and not only is it just lovely to look at it's it's excellently written excellently filmed like it's Mm. fantastically performed and it's all just it's a very simple movie you know it's it feels so straightforward you know there's not a lot of like oh what did he mean by this no i think we can pretty simply gather what he what he meant by this and uh yeah, very different than other war movies, I think, as well. Like, a lot of other war movies, you kind of follow, like, a small group of soldiers just kind of in, like, have their experience. And a lot of, like, downtime, like, usually in war movies. Like, a lot of, like, uh, all right, we just had this big battle. Now let's let's rest a little bit. Let's talk with each other. Have a good scene. Mm-hmm. Let our actors go. And then, then we'll get back to the action and, and whatever. But this one was just kind of, like, 
action, 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 action. Like, there's no real, like, downtime that's had. It's really just, like, uh, I feel like more, like, the realism part that comes from this of Nolan is, like, the realism of, like, I felt like it was just filming what happened at war. Like, I don't know, like, I was, um, I usually don't like war movies a whole lot. Or, like, I, I don't know, it doesn't really, I don't really get much out of them, I guess. But this one was just, like, this was fundamentally different than a lot yeah. of uh, war movies. Uh, and it's it's potentially my favorite war movie I've ever watched as far as, like, modern warfare yeah. is considered. You know, mm-hmm. like, because, you know, fantastical, old, medieval shit. I, I kind of value those movies in a different way than I do war with guns and planes and, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, 20th century warfare, I should say. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's, it's a different thing. Uh, I think, you know, when it came to, like... Uh, front of mind apocalypse now is you know it's more what you were talking about that sort Mm -hmm. of downtime you are getting to know these specific characters this group of specific characters on this mission that destroys their soul this one is about a literally one battle yeah not necessarily about one person experiencing this battle about everybody experiencing this battle which it kind of reframes it in a way that uh it makes it about survival and saving people as opposed to fighting and killing them with, because mm-hmm. we don't, we barely see the enemy unless it is in a plane or uh, briefly at the beginning and end, you know, like, yeah, like you, you get them shooting, like whenever that small group, like Harry Styles and, you know, that small group find themselves in that little boat, you know, find a shelter when the water's down or right. tides down and then, it's just the bullets that shoot through. You never actually see the like Nazis actually shooting them. It's just, you see the bullet holes coming through the boat and that's it. Yeah. Like, it's just the threat is there and you, you know that, like, you know that there's definitely the threat there and you see bombing runs on the beach, you know, like, but you never actually see like a German soldier. Like you never hear one of them talk or like, right. you know, like it's, it's very just like, yep, they're the, the threat. Only time you they know. Ever, they're ever on screen is when they capture Farrier at the very end. Oh yeah. That's like, that's, that's nuts. And that's really interesting to do specifically for a world war two movie where unanimously the villain is the fucking villain. You know, you know yeah. who the bad guys are, you know, the Nazis are not nice. Um, and so it's so interesting to kind of take that in a way where, you know, I've always complimented the Indiana Jones movies for this because recently there was a review for Dial of Destiny that was like, uh, you know, this movie's all about, uh, and it was just some guy who's a fucking idiot who was like, you know, this movie doesn't do anything to explain why the bad guys are bad. The bad guys are Nazis. You have to analyze why you don't think they are inherently bad. Um, but that's yeah. something I've always loved about the Indiana Jones movies is that they don't spend any time trying to convince you Nazis are bad. They assume, you know, Nazis are bad. And so that's something that this movie does really well. Where like, it's not even about like, uh, the fascism that the Nazis are about. It's about their presence being evil. You know, like, it's mm-hmm. just like they, they are a threat to life as we know it. We need to protect ourselves and yeah. we need to protect the people we care about. And like, that's uh that's powerful stuff, man. It, it ultimately, uh, you know, it, 
Interstellar. I need to give it. I need to give it a rewatch because I mean, like, I just love that movie, and there's like no way mm. it's topped for me. But I, I, even so, I think that this this is my. I prefer this movie in a casual setting. Mm. I think you know. I think length matters there. You know, it That's is shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it's it's generally just. You know, Interstellar gets me to cry for just really profound and like, over, like almost overwhelming reasons where you're just kind of like, oh my God, I can't believe this is all coming together like this. Like, oh man, this, it's like literally what is like, this there are real. four or five different times in this movie that I'm crying and it's like, this happened to people. This is a real yeah. fucking thing. That that was always my thing while watching this. Like I I love Interstellar, and I I'm, I'm fresh off a rewatch of it too, and I so I can comfortably it say it is still my number one. Yeah, um, no, I mean like one. even so, I haven't given that a rewatch recently, and it's my number one. But like the it, there is a a difference of like Interstellar is just a a made up story. You can tie some real world things to it, like oh well maybe that's where the world is going if we you know don't pay it you know. But it's it's not. You can't really step back and be like, oh, this really has happened to people. And like, oh, this is terrible. Like, when I was watching this movie, it was the constant thought in the back of my mind that like, wait a minute. This is, like, this actually happened. And not that it just actually happened, but this is just one week of this war. Like, this is a singular week that we are seeing, or a day or an hour, depending on what storyline that we're in with yeah which i think was was also really cool like uh to to kind of say that all right these these ground soldiers that are trying to to get off into the boat that happens over the span of a week um the rescue mission of the yachts and the civilians that happens on the last day of this week and then the air battles with tom hardy happens over the course of one at the last hour of Hmm. this but you see them stretched out through the whole movie as if they're all kind of happening concurrently. And like, but it's like time is, is kind of different for those people. Like I bet like up in those planes for that one hour felt like a whole, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and that dude, the editing in this movie is outstanding. The pacing Mm. of this movie is impeccable, especially Mm. given those different timelines. Mm. Like I'm left, like I've got chills talking about it. I'm left in a place where this is so easily, you know, we talked last week with the Prestige, where you know it's there's a gap between Interstellar and the Dark Knight, and the Prestige is closer to the Dark Knight than it is Interstellar. You know, like that sort that sort of thing. Um, this is closer to Interstellar than it is the Dark Knight for me, and this is so easily mm-hmm. too, uh, as far as my favorite yeah. uh, Nolan films are concerned. Like, uh, there's just this rawness about it where, you know, I. Something that I've always appreciated about a lot of war movies, like any war movies that I do appreciate, are typically very clearly anti-war in their sentiment, you know, and Mm. at least that's how I take them to be, because it so obviously shows a negative effect on the people who are there that are taking part in it. And one of the things that usually drives me away from enjoying war movies is also you know, patriotism and nationalism and stuff like that. Like that, I typically mm. I'm like, all right, well now we're getting into kind of a propaganda E sort of territory where I can't, I can't really get behind. And I don't think there's any of that here, which mm. is, you know, cause it's kind of funny because my favorite line in this movie 
is when uh, it's my favorite scene and my favorite line, the arrival of the civilian oh, ships. Uh, yeah, easily. That's, that's, that's a part where I'm crying. Yeah. Uh, oh, come you on. Know, yeah. It's like, uh, he's looking through the binoculars and someone goes, what do you see? And he goes, home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love that shit, you know, and that's the closest they get to this sort of like patriotism mm-hmm. for Britain, you know, like yeah. or, uh, uh, England. It's a, uh, but more than that, the fact that it is about saving people makes it humanitarian more than it does yeah. nationalist. You know, it's, like it's, it's not like they're out killing Nazis, which yeah. I'm all for. You know, if, yeah, if you're exactly. going to go kill anybody, like, yeah, kill Nazis. But no Nazis die in this movie other than some planes that you yeah. see crash down. You don't like and that's it. Those are the only Nazis that die. But every everyone else that dies is the people that are just trying to escape. Like mm-hmm. and and you have that like uh Churchill is trying to get what was it like thirty thousand or forty thousand out of the three hundred thousand or whatever that were there. Mm-hmm. Like they were like, Yeah, we'll be lucky if we get that many. You know, yeah. and it's like it's just the the thought of that like is is nuts. Like just to we're fighting this war, we have lost this battle, we need to get our people out and get them out, but that's not simply done. You know, that's a whole lot of people to try to well, get and, out. And the the layer on top where these soldiers were so worried that the reception they'd receive at home was disdain because they oh. lost. Oh, man. Oh. Ooh, that might be another line that I didn't think of. The the blind man that was kind of like handing out uh, mm. like blankets or something to the soldiers that were even, back. He won't even look us in the eye. But what he said, like he was like... um Oh, I forgot what it was exactly, but it was like, you know, we we didn't do anything. We lost, you know, but 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 we're alive or whatever. And he's like, yeah, that's enough or something like it was like, that's enough or something like that. Um, but I don't know. It was. Um, was and it that, that or again, was it? That's what makes this movie so unique compared to so many war movies to me is that it 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 values human life in a way that I don't think you get a lot out of war movies, you know, like uh War movies are typically very plain about the destruction upon human life. In this movie, it's not like it's like, oh, war's all fun and games. You know, like, I'm not saying it makes it easy. You know, it obviously, obviously these people are in danger at every single turn. And they make it obvious that these people are terrified. And usually that's all there is in a war movie, you know, that mm. when they make it out, it's it's just kind of relief usually in a war movie when it comes to this one it's genuine joy that they make it out you know and that's like a i feel like that's a rarity i don't know what i don't know why i feel that way like as far as the war movies i've seen but like mm. it, it, just genuinely one of my favorite one of my favorite if not my favorite war movie of all time like it yeah, was i can't really think of any other what like Usually I'll watch a war movie just because it's like I'm watching it with other people or like my dad is watching mm-hmm. it, you know, and like I'll be like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll stick around and watch this. But like this is one that I would actually want I like, will watch to recommend. Again. And like, yeah, and like I, I – I, this is just a few – like it's – It just got added to Netflix, so. Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Was yeah. it – since since the gap, I rented it and then like literally two really? or three days ago, it got added to Netflix. What are the uh, odds of that? That yeah, is nuts. But um, no, it was like the the moment they they get back, you know, and like Harry Styles, like actually, like I don't know, yeah, I yeah. was 
very surprised for, for him. I'm going like, to tell you, this dog, movie. this is a good example of why a director is very, so very important on the set, bro. I've watched Harry Styles in a lot of stuff. He is not good. He's not mm. a good actor. Interesting. Um, yeah, because I only know him other than like the post credit scene in Eternals mm-hmm. or whatever. Like that's the only other thing I think I've seen him in. Yeah, um, I mean, like he was in Don't Worry, Darling last year, which he got a lot of flack for for like mm-hmm. the accent kind of coming in and out where you <laughs> couldn't tell if he was supposed to be British or he was supposed to be English, okay, uh, or American, <laughs> I should say. Uh, mm-hmm. And so there was like this whole, and I. I I feel like he got crapped on a little too hard for that. You know, like, I feel like people were like, well, he's obviously not an actor. Mm-hmm. And that, that comes through. Um, but he wasn't God awful, you know? Uh, yeah. He's genuinely good in this though. Yeah. Like in the, like the, I remember like scenes that stick out to me, like in that boat, whenever they're all trapped down there and they were like, yeah, we got to get rid of someone, you know, like, it has to happen. We have to get rid of the weight. And then, like, I remember one person is like, one person isn't even going to do anything, you know, yeah. but, like, they were just so freaked out and, like, they didn't know what was going on. But, like, him performing there was really good. Um, and then, like, on the train, whenever he's, like, you know, like, the, like he's looking away, can't look at the people at all, mm-hmm. and, like, having the paper read to him, like, no, you read it. Just read it to me. See, see I what can't read it, yeah. And then, like, you know, the two, like, beer bottles held through, you know, given through the window, and he's, like, just seen, I don't know, like, I think Well, I'm not going to equate them in terms of uh, musical talent. I love Harry Styles, you know, I, I, I really mm-hmm. enjoy Harry Styles' music, so, like, don't get me wrong there, but, like, to have two movies in a row where he, Christopher Nolan, casts a musician in a very prominent role that plays a, a, a rather mm-hmm. large part in the movie... Uh, and David Bowie for Nikola Tesla yeah. and uh, and the prestige and then Harry Styles mm-hmm. here and Dunkirk. It is interesting to see him go back into that bag a little bit for that. Because, uh, I mean, like like I said, I'm not going to equate their musical talent because I think David Bowie is just a different fucking tier. It's hard to be as talented mm-hmm. as David Bowie. Um, but Harry Styles, I, I fucking adore that guy's music. So you're never going to hear me be like, mm-hmm. uh, oh, he's, he's overrated. No, I think he's a wonderful musician. Uh, but uh it, it was just I forgot he was in this movie until he popped up and I was like, Oh yeah, this is oh, the movie with yeah. Harry Styles in it. I remember mm-hmm. I remember seeing uh, like previews for this and being like, The guy from One Direction is mm-hmm. in Dunkirk, huh? Like that's uh that's something we're doing. Uh mm-hmm. no, but and it... I, I mean like I'm I was shocked at how good he was in this movie. Um yeah. he d- he didn't get my performance nod or anything, but Mm-mm. Yeah, no, not quite. And I was, if there is a main character in this movie, is it, I think his name is Tommy. I think that's the kind of, like, the guy that, like, who's the guy that we start the movie out with that runs from the German soldiers and then, you know, he, like. Right, uh, Uh, I believe it's Tommy. Uh, Because I I think it's. Yes, Tommy, played by Fionn Whitehead. Yeah, I think that's, he was. I really, really liked him in this movie, and I felt like he was, if there is a main character, which I don't really think there really is. Like, I, I Not don't know. Truly. Like, um, I think it could be him, though, if you were to say, like, if there is a main character, and I, I really liked his performance here, because he was, like, actually having to grapple with, like, moral decisions, you know, like, in that, in that boat with Harry, like, Harry's like, no, get rid of him, obviously it's him, we're getting him out of here, but he's the one that's kind of like, hold on, like, 
we're, let's Should we're we thinking do about something this way like, too yeah. fast. Like, hold on, like, what are we doing here? And and how like you see him run through all of that, and he's finally at the beach, but then he sees one guy all by himself burying someone, so he goes over, helps him out. Yeah, it's a nice drink of water because of it. But then you know, like, I don't know, I I really liked all of his moments and. It's not necessarily yeah, like he was about to take a shit there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He's like, yep. oh, man, well, I probably shouldn't do this right now. Uh, you know, like that was that was a little bit funny. Uh, but like it's one of those like crude, funny things where like it's not actually funny. It's like a really dark humor where yeah. it's like nothing in this situation is funny. And this is obviously not funny to them. But as a viewer, it's like this guy is, like this is war. He's about to take a shit 20 feet from someone's grave. Yeah. You know, like that's. And it's, it's crazy how, like, something can happen to some, like, a big, like, a plane can come in, bomb a beach, you know, and, and there's just dead people all around, but then they get up, get right back in line, you know, and just, like, it's just what they have to do. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, they're so used, or, like, I don't, it's just, war, like, I can't get myself in that headspace at all. Like, it's, no, like, no. to put yourself in the shoes of a soldier, like, during that time, like, hearing a plane coming how scary that would like hearing that noise and just being like, well, whenever like another one of my favorite parts in the movie. And like, I, I was so close to going with it for my favorite scene is when Farrier, his plane dies. Oh. And then he manages to keep it in the air long enough to save everyone. You know, like everyone was going to die if oh, yeah. he didn't, if he didn't save them in that moment, whenever, cause it reminded me of, uh, you know, uh, there's that moment in this is a funny comparison because it's war versus uh, uh, Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> but uh, in the Bad Batch, whenever Hunter hears the uh, the Tie Fighter coming from a distance, and he realizes like, oh no, we are fucked. You know, yeah. like uh, when they hear that and they see it in the distance, they they all just kind of go, well, that's all, folks. We're fucking dead. You know, like yeah. that yeah. sort of hopelessness is just so hard to even comprehend you know uh and i thought run a plane fantastic job at it yeah like there's no out running a plane they can't go anywhere they're already pushed back to the beach it's like well i'll lay down i'll cover my head and just hope i don't get hit by one of these bombs that gets dropped and it's like holy shit like god damn like how just scary that no like the noise of the plane too like it starts very faint and then like just the like it's starting to ramp up and you're just like oh god the sound design in this movie is something that uh is incredibly well done there's a like technically uh and i mean that in the the sense of literally the the sound design the the visuals the visual effects like technically it is a brilliantly made movie you know uh there's uh one of my favorite visuals that they return to consistently is uh, during the plane dog fights. I think this is a very specific choice. If I, if I'm recalling correctly, every time you see a plane in the air, mm-hmm. all you see in the background is horizon. It goes on forever and seemingly every direction. And you know that's mm-hmm. not the case. They are protecting people on the shore. They are right there. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's 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 further uh-huh. emphasizing their being alone. You know, like they're mm. out there by themselves. There's no one coming to help them. And the only time you see a plane from the perspective of the ground 
is when Farrier saves them. Oh. When he yeah. when when they're all there together in that moment, sort oh. of. You know, like it's kind of a it, it it's just a Yeah. Farrier fucking movie, dude. That's my character for the I movie. I mean I that. I mean I love planes. I love the I mean it's what I'm studying. So I mean anytime that there was planes in the air and like him like marking down how much fuel he has, he doesn't even know. Like he, right. he doesn't his gauge is wrong or if it's actually like well, you got shot, so maybe you're leaking fuel. Maybe you actually don't have, you know. He's like, I don't know, but I know I'm on a mission, you know. And he's like, I, I have to, I have to protect these people. And I, I don't know. I loved, you know, like, and it, also it's Tom Hardy, which is really, really cool, you know. Just, just having him up there. You know, we got that, uh, that core. You know, Wes Anderson had his Jason Schwartzman and Owen Wilson and Adrian Brody and uh, mm-hmm. Bill Murray and all these people who keep coming back when it, when you come to Christopher Nolan. That's Tom Hardy, Killian Murphy, uh, that that sort of core there for him, and both of them pop up in this in this movie. And mm-hmm. uh, my uh, my favorite performance was actually Killian Murphy, as uh, literally doesn't have a name. He's the, he is yeah. just the shell shocked soldier. Uh, mm-hmm. um, insane! Like it's the, his his story was really really cool like that kind of heart-wrenching yeah you know whenever uh he kills barry keoghan also in this movie you know love barry keoghan Mm -hmm. um and he you know he's like is he gonna be okay and peter's just gone down there and is like no he's dead but he comes up and he's like yeah he'll he'll be fine you know it's like he he understands that's what he needs to hear you Mm -hmm. know and so that that kid (sighs) peter peter gets my favorite character uh the kid on the boat uh that that whole that part of the story was my favorite the civilian boat going to help the soldiers Mm -hmm. um just everything that happened there was uh, probably the most moving part of the movie for me simply because you know when when the revelation comes around that this guy's older brother and this guy's son had died two weeks into the war and the reason he's going to save these soldiers is because he knows there's a parent out there who misses their kid, you know, like, uh, and wants them to come home. Like, bro, that shit fucking destroyed me. Mr. Dawson. Yeah. Like in, and I know him as, um, yeah. Ready player one. one, The, whoever made, you know, I don't know his name in in there. Um, but like, that's what I know him as. But then like, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like this is, I think it's the best part of the movie because it's, we can't really put ourselves in the soldier shoes at all. Like we can, we can feel and be like, holy shit, that is terrible. And I would never want to experience that, but you can sort of place yourselves in the shoes of Mr. Dawson and Peter and Mm. in them a little easier. You know, it's, I've never had to take my boat out and go try to save some soldiers or whatever. But it's like the civilian point of view of a war, you know, and like, and him hit like at first it's kind of like, all right, dude, you're kind of a little crazy. Like, why are you going out here this easy? Like, are you, do you have a death wish? You know, like at first you're kind of like, you're, I don't know. Like you're, you're just doing this all, you know, maybe he wanted to be a soldier and like, maybe he wanted like just to fight and like be in the fight. But then you learn, it's like midlife crisis sort of thing. But then you learn, it's like, no, it's like, it's It's incredibly personal. Oh yeah, and it's like his his son died there, and it's like no, nah, he, he's got to save as many people as he can. Oh, and, and I think that's something that this movie goes to show is that like, uh, 
war, while it is the most, the obviously most damaging to the soldiers who fight in it, the people at home care a lot, you know, like uh, more more than anything about the people returning safely, you know, yeah. uh, and they they kind of personified that for the most for the majority of this movie was was their presence like a mm. being that willing to go into a literal war on your your boat just your fucking boat you know like it's not it, it's not a submarine it's not fortified by anything it's just nope. your fucking boat you know like that's a uh, yeah. It's something that I really, really loved in this movie was the the civilian presence and the way that they just cared about saving, saving their people. Like that's, mm. and that's I think fun. my line, my line came from Mister Dawson, um, and I don't know exactly when it happened, um, but I think he's talking to uh, K- Killian Murphy. I don't know. I want to give him a name, uh, but like it's he weird. Have one. Um, but he says, "Men my age dictate this war. Why shouldn't we be allowed to send our children in to fight it?" Um, and it was just, I don't know, like, a. I think it was during the moment of him saying like, yeah, my son died, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, all that explanation. It was just like a, a moment, like just a, just the moment that was there. Like, I don't know. It was another like emotional moment, like after, mm-hmm. like that reveal, like in, and just after what, what who was, uh, George, the, is that the, who died or, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. By, I mean, just all the chaos that's happening, you know, and George, he's just there. He's like, yeah, I'll come along. Like, he's like, sure. Uh, like, he didn't even really want to go in the first place. And then it's as simple as, like, just getting, like, nothing happened. Like, there wasn't even really, like. Yeah, hit his head a little too hard. There. It's just he got hit down, hit his head, and it bled, bled out and died, you know. And then, like, it's it's just the chaos of war. Like, it's just anything can happen. And, like, it's, I, I just always kept in the back of my mind just being like oh my god like no this this isn't made up this is like obviously they probably dramatized and made some things up for the story but like Certainly. this could have very well happened like i mean yeah. like very this is a real easily. battle yeah like the battle's real but who knows if on this one particular yacht that you know a soldier knocked down a young boy and killed him you know maybe maybe that is true i don't know maybe they did have a a story from a soldier that they, I don't, I don't know what like all of the, the inspiration and stuff was held. Like where no, it was very interesting because Christopher Nolan is specifically credited with writing this movie. It's not based on any book or anything. It is literally mm-hmm. just written by Christopher Nolan, which tells me that like these stories are, they're fictionalized for sure. I'm sure mm-hmm. he did a great deal of reading on the battle of Dunkirk itself. Um, mm-hmm. and kind of plugged in where he could find stories to be fulfilling, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's, it's even the idea of it possibly having really happened. It's, it's kind of heartrending. Like that, I don't know. It's insane. Like the sheer number of people that were on screen at once. Um, and like, right. it's hard to tell. Like, I think for some of the scenes, like, they probably had that many people out there. But then, like, on the beach, whenever, like, the bomb runnings are happening, like, there's no, is, like, there's no way he actually got that many people to stand out there. Like, is that actually true? Like, I, I mean, don't know if you know. perfectly possible know. to enlist that many extras, you know? They've, 
they filled out stadiums with extras before that's in movies. True. You know, okay. like it's yeah, like that's fair. Um, because my like one of my shots uh, that I think I will go with is whenever they're yeah on the mole. Yeah. I think they call it. I don't. I've never heard it referred to as a mole before, yeah. but just like the bridge, like the pier or whatever. Gorgeous. Um, and just seeing all of their helmet, like just I don't know, it's angled perfectly so that you can just see like all the way down the line. And there's and like one see, person's face who's looking up, uh, and that's yeah, uh, like that's like gorgeous, like, gorgeous it, fucking shot, dude. And it's it's weird to be like, ah, oh, this, this is such a gorgeous shot because then seconds later, a plane just and they're all like, oh shit, we're all just packed here, when we can't they go all anywhere. Duck it's like yeah, just like ducking time. down. It's like oh my god, it's like. The pure chaos that can happen at any moment, and they have no idea. They're just trying to wait to get home or wait to go on a ship, but but they don't even know that only they expect thirty or forty thousand of them to get out. And yeah, who was that? That one like captain or like the coast guard maybe um, is who maybe he was. Um, felt like he came in. Um, oh man, yeah, I want. I think it was the coast guard. And he was like some higher ranking official and he like he was like, No, I'm staying here, you know, or whatever. I'm not leaving. I'm I'm staying here trying to get as many people off as I can. Um but there was one shot of him of he was a plane was coming and he like looked up and he was just he just kinda closed his eyes, you know, and was like, mm. Well, if it's gonna ha you know, like I like forgot man, I really I can't even find him on IMDB. I'm trying to He was just a very small like not not a very big role but like it was just another character that was um cared about all the lives and he tried to get as many people out as he could and uh right. i don't know i really i really liked the the scenes of the mole like whenever they were just there on the mole i think it was it was really done very well yeah the guy who was like commanding the mole yeah it was yeah it was actually played by kenneth branagh who is a, a very talented director um he uh he was one that I was considering for one of our director's spotlights he later on. Like I've seen, like I felt like I've seen him in something else, but I couldn't. Yeah. He's also you know. in Tenet. Um, That's probably it then. Okay. Cause I'm like, man, infinity war. What? Oh, voice. An Asgardian distress call. <laughs> A voice He's also, uh, he also directed Thor. Oh yeah. Okay. So he's so a, a talented, talented gentleman. Uh, yeah. Commander Bolton. He was the mm. one who delivered my my favorite line. The uh, you know, mm. what do you see? Boom. That's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, like that. That's the thing about this movie is that there's just like there's no well, one huge the character fulfillment that... of his arc. Whenever everyone's mm. riding away, and he's like, "I'm going to stay," and he's like, "What? What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm going to get the French out too." You know, like that's, that's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. The French. Yeah, and it was like, oh, what a guy. You know, Dude. like just. After all the hell they just went through, you know, mm -hmm. and he finally has his chance to go and, like, go home. He's like, no, we got to get the French out, too. And it was just like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like my man, yeah, you like, know, like, and that's what that's what furthers the idea that it's not it's not about any one nation or about any any sort of, you know, uh, patriotism in specific. It's it's about the people. It's about saving lives. And that's. That's something I just value so dearly about this movie, man. It's uh, I I I can't speak highly enough about it. It's one of my one of my favorites we've covered so far in our director spotlight, like period, in, including mm. Wes Anderson. Like this is, and the the soldiers that they took first, they called them like Highlanders or something like that, or like what? 
like they were a different class or something of soldiers. Like, like because the first people that they took, um, I felt like we're in like a, or maybe they just weren't foot soldiers or something like that. Maybe they were taking just other people first. Yeah, I'm not because sure. I was trying to, because there was one, like when they were in that boat and they're like, all oh, Harry Styles was like, oh, I know who, who we're kicking out. I thought he was at first going to be like um, the German spy who they thought was a German spy or whatever. And they're like, yeah, get him out of here. But then I thought he was actually referring to Tommy, the other guy who mm-hmm. he knew like kind of snuck his way uh, like and was hiding on the pier like down there and then got on the boat kind of secret, you know, like kind of right, snuck right. his way in there. Um, but then it, he didn't really get into that. So I didn't know if there was actually like a distinction between the soldiers um, or something like that. Um, I'm not sure. That's a good question. Uh, and that's not something I really keyed in on because I knew that, uh, wasn't the dude they were considering kicking off the boat. Like, wasn't the only thing there that he was actually French. Yeah. He was French. Like, wasn't yeah. He, he wasn't, wasn't a German spy. That you're a German spy. It was just that you are not English. Yeah. You you are mm-hmm. French. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, and- that's, Oh yes, that's what I was going to talk about. That scene, I was trying to, I was going somewhere with it. it in that boat, whenever like all the chaos, like they're plugging the holes and oh. they're like, like just water's flooding in. They're like, and they know they need to go. Like eventually, there's a point where it's like, all right, no, like we need to get out of here. Like we can't stay here. But people, they're so focused on the task of like mm-hmm. keeping the holes plugged that it had to take like someone to be like. Hey, like, stop what you're doing. We got to get out of here, you know, like, yeah. and it's, it's, it's crazy that like, while you're in war, or, like in a battle, it's just like, there's no like thought, pro- like there's no, you can't sit back and be like, all right, what am I going to do next? Like, let me think about my next move. It's just like very bang, bang, bang. Like, it was- yeah, you know, it's a panic. It's a panic instinct, you know, like what they know for sure is if that, if they go to the top of the boat, they're easy targets. It becomes a question of it doesn't even become right. a question of would you prefer drowning or getting shot? It's just like, well, my best chance of not getting shot oh. is staying in here. And you're not even thinking, oh, I might drown if I do that. You know, like yeah. it's just uh holy shit. I don't, it was I just every time like every time one of those scenes would pop up and like it's the action is done. Like I, I think very well, like it's never oh, like yeah. action just for action. It's like, oh, note like. This is really how it was like uh, mm. uh, the boat that they were all on, like going like the first boat that was going yeah, out the bombing and then, run like, that takes it out. And then like all the oil in the water. And then mm. you're just like, oh, fuck. You're like, no, no, no. Like, no, like, don't don't like. Oh, you know, I hope that it yeah. Whenever. Uh... And oh, then it, dude. God, and it goes up in flames and then you see the guy that's underwater and he's like, because he knows once he goes up, it's like. What do you like? There's nothing you could do, and he's like, "Do I drown or do I burn?" You know, he's like, "I like," and then he just mm-hmm. goes up and just starts screaming. I'm like, "Oh my god! Like this is just terrible! Like it is just so horrific! Like it's mm. can't even fathom! Like at, I don't know. It's that's just insane that this isn't made. Like this is these are like sure that U boat and whatever it was like for the story they wrote it to happen then, but like." That happened all over, like that. Mm-hmm. That's like not. That's not like one event that happened just for this battle. Like this. This was all the time. And that's that's what makes over. this even more substantial. Is that like maybe the specific circumstances of being trapped on the beach and needing a way to get off might have been mm. very specific to Dunkirk. 
But the horrors that ensue while they're there happened everywhere during the war, you know, like that was, that was not something that was, you know, uniquely singular to, Mm -hmm. to Dunkirk. It's, uh, yeah, we weren't even shown what happened to get them to that point. Yeah. They were fighting a war in the city, like there, and they got pushed back to the beach. Like that, a lot of people had to die there. You know, mm-hmm. and like that that space had to get taken. They kept getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. And eventually they're like, all right, yeah, we got to retreat. We got to go. And like, they don't even think about that. And then I'm assuming the war was because they just got these soldiers back. But the like, this wasn't the end of the war, no. you know, like, and it's like, it's, it's still continuing. Like, this isn't over. Like, we, we get that feeling of like, ah, oh, they're home. And like, you know, the, the celebration, like off the train, whatever. But then it's like, they're still soldiers like everywhere else in europe and and wherever just still fighting and like it's still going on and i think that's like again i think the message of this movie is that like the the biggest victory that can come from war is people living you know it's not like winning the battle is not the is not the actual win it's Mm. the the people who survive and make it home that's a win you know uh Man, and that's I don't know. Maybe that's why this this movie is so much more enjoyable of like a a war movie. Not enjoyable in the sense of like I like what I'm seeing on screen, but just like the the feelings that you get at the end of it. Like it it is really about saving people and not like mm-hmm. hey, look at this really cool battle that happened in real life and let's show you all the people that died in it. And like it, we we won it, so it's good. And like yeah, go go USA or go Allies, but like. This one well, that's was the thing. They didn't even win this fucking battle. Yeah, no, not, not at all. But it felt like a victory at the end. Yeah. Like the victory was just getting as many people We're out living. as they could. And yeah, man, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, the battle was lost already. Like this was a retreat. Yeah, like, that's that's all we were watching was a a week of retreat. Yes, and and like and literally two dudes covering their retreat. Those the farrier and his wingmen. Up, up in those planes. That was all that was holding it down for them. Because they're not, they don't have barracks where they're firing down on anybody. That's mm-hmm. just, they're just sitting there. You know? Yeah. Like they're waiting, either waiting to be rescued or waiting to die. And that's, uh I was uh, reading some of the trivia mm. of this movie. And apparently there were 30 survivors of this, of Dunkirk there at the premiere of this oh, movie. Man. And they said that like the movie very accurately captured the event and they said that the one thing that they had gripe with was that the um the air and the actual bombardment was louder it was like was was too loud um for like what actually happened in real life i guess but I but it says that this greatly amused christopher nolan nolan was happy about this that they said that it was louder because like i guess when you a plane when it is flying overhead and it's going that fast you really see it you see the plane before you hear it because it is mm-hmm. going fast so like you probably the bombs are dropping when you hear when you actually start to hear the plane it's not right. really like this loud roar that comes in and then the bombs drop so i guess i didn't even think about that but for the movie it plays out like so much better to have it that way um just to build the suspense and everything 
Um, but man, that's crazy to think that some survivors of this were actually there, like for this movie, like watching it. Like, it's not like Interstellar. Like, there's no, I don't know. It's it's just it's a whole different kind of movie. Whenever it's actually covering something that is real, and that's why, like, I'm excited for Oppenheimer as well. Um, and hearing that, like, there's black and white scenes, and then there's color scenes, and apparently, when it's black and white, it's supposed to be like very factual. objective, very objective. factual, yeah. and in color is, is you know, made for the movie. Um, this one, we don't really get that. You know, there's no like very hard tell of like, oh, this is real, this isn't. But everything in this movie sure as shit could have been real. Like, I mean, right. it's like, how are you really going to know exactly what happened at this battle? Like, the the overarching story is real, and that really happened. Like, so that, I think that's that's all that really matters is, like, that, sure, some of these character moments could have been made up. But, like, the overall story is very, very real. And that just makes no it doubt. hit on a different level that, like, even Interstellar can't can't do for me like at the end of the day after i finish interstellar i'm like okay like that's i would like you know i would i want i like to put myself there and be like oh this is what a cool movie and like i i hope we maybe not get there where the earth is but like the space parts cooper state and all that i'm like oh that stuff's so cool but i come out of it being like okay well we're still in 2023 none of that stuff is real and it's that it's just a great movie but after this movie's finished i'm like oh my god i'm like wait a minute like Mm. those like there are real people in this world that are alive today that experience that and like and then the people even not the soldiers even the people in britain at the time like the actual civilians that went out there like and all the the families and everything like this is it's just a different tier um and like it yeah it just makes it hit on on just a I don't know, a level that, that a fictional movie can't really, really do. Right. I guess, but. Well, and you were speaking, we were speaking to like the, uh, you know, the realism of this movie where it's just, it's also, it feels so raw and real. What's, what's really fascinating about it is like the scope of it though, like visually, it's a big fucking movie, you know, like, uh, there's a lot of intimate scenes in close quarters, mm. like, you know, on, on the boats and on and stuff like that. But like your favorite shot, that, that long spanning mm. down the, down the fucking mole. Like that's why the, the cinematographer here, Hoyt Van Hoytema is one of the best out there right now. The, mm. the way that he can capture scale is it borders on unmatched, you know, because he also did Nope. And uh, he did Interstellar. And he, he'll also do Tenet later on for us uh, here. I don't know if you've ever seen Ad Astro with Brad Pitt. Hmm. Big, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Space movie. Yeah. Scale. Uh, yeah, that's like yeah. one thing that always blew my mind. Like just the sheer amount of people. Or like even like the one of the boats that was like tipping over and sinking. Like yeah. you like you get you get it like slowly going down in the water filling well, again, up again like, the practicality of nolan man like God, yeah, the like, planes you see in this movie they're flying and we're filming that you know like it's not like it's 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 not like that's visual effects in later and we're just going to film the environment no they're they're filming planes that are flying around and they're the person filming it is just in another plane flying alongside them you know what i'm saying like that's a that is like having to, yeah, like there, I'm looking at just, I'm, there's a shot 
of a camera that's just strapped to the side of a plane and it's showing the beach in the background. They had to strap a camera, an IMAX camera, to a plane, fly it, have all of these people on the beach, there, in the line. Like, it, it's just insane that, like, the actual logistics that had to, like, go into, like, making this, like, just to get all of that set up. And well, that's what's so fucking cool about filmmaking, man, is, is having these visions in your head, going, this is how I want to make this happen, or this is what I want to happen. How do I make that happen? Yeah. And then coming to conclusions like, let's strap a camera to the nose of a plane. You know, like, uh, what? You know, that's, that's fucking brilliant. You know, like, that's, those are the sorts of things that, you know, it's just hard to fathom. Uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's hard to fathom. And I, I enjoy that aspect of filmmaking so immensely. It's just the problem solving that comes with it. You know, I want this mm. to happen. How do I make that happen? And often those, those questions come with the most fulfilling and creative answers in the filmmaking process. Uh, and that's something that I think Christopher Nolan is, he's got a real knack for. And it's again, you know, Oppenheimer is going to keep coming up as that's what we're in anticipation of. But the, the way they're talking about how they accomplished these sort of explosions and how they had to experiment with like, you know, actual bombs and then stuff on like a microscopic level where they're dealing like that's nuts. Mm -hmm. You know, that's so fucking cool. And yeah. uh, I, I'm so excited to see that movie, man. But it's like two whole sides of a movie. You get mm -hmm. one while you're in it and watching it and you're just enjoying the movie for the movie and you're not even thinking of how they make it at all. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it's just like. I'm watching and seeing what's happening. And then like after it's done to be like, wait a minute, they had to actually film that. Like for like, this isn't like blue screen or green screen. This is like, that's like they had, I don't know. They really did these things. Um, and it's just, it, it elevates the movie even more for me. Like whenever, um, like we were talking about how like we like Wes Anderson and how like fantastical he can get. And like, it's not very, not the realism that he's focused on necessarily. It's like the story and like what, what he needs to any, you know, colors or any lighting that he can, he thinks is better for the story he puts in there, even if it's not mm -hmm. real. But Nolan is kind of like the polar opposite of that. Or he's like, I want to make it as real as possible. Like I right. want, I want this to feel very, very real. And that like, I think it just immerses you into the movie more like, uh, and, and not necessarily that it's better because it's real or that, it, but it's just no, for it's this sort of, yeah. yeah, for this sort of story, I think it, it does, like, for a war story, I feel like it might might work a little better. Because, like, right. I wonder how Wes would go about, like, a, like a war movie, you know? Like, right. how like how that would even work. I don't even, I don't know. I don't know how that would work. Um, if he were to make a war movie, I bet it would be stop-motion animation. Mm, not actually, yeah, okay. That's probably yeah. true. Not, re yeah. That'd be too difficult to do it, like, in his style, but in actually style, real I and, think, like, yeah. real explosions. Yeah, that would be, that'd be weird. Uh, but, no, I think, like, Nolan, he, he, like, he, I don't know, he very, he likes these war stories and, like, like, the prestige. It's not necessarily a war story, but it's, it's kind of like this war of electricity, like Edison and, and Tesla, and then these two people that are, going back and forth dunkirk a very clear war story interstellar is kind of like another uh, more maybe just survival is kind mm -hmm. of like a like a very common theme in in nolan's and in, in oppenheimer I, I i don't know i'm yeah. i i'm just i'm ready i am so ready for that like Six, i that five. 
war yeah. is crazy and it's it's crazy to fathom putting yourself in the shoes of a soldier but then like in the shoes of the person who created like the worst thing that humans have ever made like that's i don't know that's going to be no, I saw the. Uh, I went and saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny in IMAX. What is now as a as of release a couple weeks back, a week and a half ago, um, and the Oppenheimer trailer showed before it, and I'd only seen that trailer on a digital screen. I hadn't. I hadn't mm. seen it on IMAX where it's taken mm-hmm. up the entire wall and the sound is accompanying it. That movie's gonna be fucking nuts. Um, yeah. Like the, I knew the bomb, like the explosion's gonna look good, but then like seeing the little, like mo- molecular, yeah, blue, like at like electric, like I don't know even what it was. I don't even like, know what I'm looking at necessarily. Yeah, it's like yeah. I, I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't know I'm getting that at all, but I'm ready for it. Like it's it's gonna, yeah, I, I, that after like watching this movie and like seeing like seeing that it's not necessarily like the patriotism or like the the national you know nationalism that he's focusing on it's really just like survival and like telling the story around that i i can't wait for what he's gonna do about like this is one battle that we see over the span of a week but oppenheimer deals with like maybe killing the whole planet at once um so like the stakes are just even higher which is nuts and I, i don't know if it's like like how far the story spans if it's just like the creation of it and then once it's created like that then it stops there i don't like will we get to like hiroshima and nagasaki like will we see like like is that the explosion we will see you know like i don't i like, sure I, hope not just I from know. a uh, ethics perspective um i could imagine that they do something where they build up to that point and then it's the aftermath you know like it's like a the falling mm-hmm. out of it, like how Oppenheimer wrestles with it after mm-hmm. it's been done, you know, like, uh, I am interested in that. I am. I'm super fucking excited for it. But, uh, I, I, I think the only true nuclear explosions we'll see are in like, I think the, the marketing for it is building up to the first official test of the nuclear bomb, you know, because all the trailers yeah. contemplation is like, Matt Damon asks Killian Murphy, like, so you're telling, like, so there's a chance when we we flip that switch that the world ends. And he goes, the chance is near zero. He goes, mm-hmm. near zero. Very like, scientific answer there. But, yeah, it's like, like that, I, I, yeah, they had no idea what they were about to unleash. And, yeah, I, I guess that, that, that could be it. Like, just the first bomb and, and once it's dropped and, and that. But, like, I think what hits, what the, I hope what the the message of the movie is is like we did create this thing a lot of people forget that we still have a shit ton of them on earth yeah like we still have those and like they are very real we just haven't like people back then like they would actually show that in theaters like before a movie like i don't know like they like they would show like nuclear tests like to people like out of like people would just they would know that this is happening around the world but like now mm-hmm. like we have no idea, and, like, people kind of forget about that, and I, I think, like, he's reminding people, like, hey, like, these are real, and look at the damage they can cause, let's remember how bad they are, and I think what... Oh, yeah. No, I, I fully anticipate that we're gonna get some, like, this movie, and, like, Interstellar, and 
movies like that really give me hope for what the messaging of Oppenheimer will be, where I think it will be very, you know, like like you said, when it comes from a black and white perspective, it is this presentation of fact and an objective mm-hmm. standpoint. But I'm hoping that, you know, whenever we're not there, John Oppenheimer is not okay. You know, like yeah. it's, and I mean, that's what that, it seems like it's going to be because it's okay. Like he, he was devastated after that. Like, I mean, like the mm-hmm. real guy, like he, he felt terrible. Like he, like, yeah. was and never the fascination, the, same. the fascination Nolan has with world war two, you know, as, as we see here with Dunkirk and then mm-hmm. telling the story of Oppenheimer here, yeah. here in a couple weeks, you know, like the, uh, the idea that he's literally just putting himself in the shoes of those of the people of that time. And I, one of my favorite lines in the Oppenheimer trailer is uh, when like, I think it kind of keys us into Oppenheimer's ideal, like why Mm -hmm. he's doing it is because he says like, do you know what will happen if the Nazis do this first? Yeah. You know, like that's, uh, that's that's, true. It's like, that's it. You know, it's like, you don't want to, like ideally in the in the world you do not want to even go there and not even create it but like if they do get you know it what first, happens if the nazis do it first yeah 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 and that's that like i i mean the stakes were high in the in dunkirk and i, I don't want to like downplay dunkirk at all like i am i was there and i'm like i was immersed in this movie and i think that's that's what this movie does very well is that there's no like mm. harsh cuts or like harsh like it flows there's, very, there's very never well. a point where i i'm lost or i'm yeah. i'm never lost and i'm never disinterested like this mm-hmm. movie keeps me in it the this movie more than any other movie i've watched by mm. christopher nolan made me the most excited for oppenheimer you know what i'm yeah. saying like uh because yeah. i mean i know we keep coming back to interstellar and stuff but like uh there's uh, and there's this grandness to interstellar and this personal internal battle that happens like the uh with like the morality of deciding this world's gonna die Mm -hmm. we gotta go build a new one you know like that's you know like you're kind of dealing with similar levels there with oppenheimer but literally the time period and the action of it and the 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 scale of it dunkirk feels like it's going to end up being like the dunkirk oppenheimer oppenheimer double feature is gonna go fucking nuts you know what i'm saying like that's gonna that's gonna be a gonna be a telling like interstellar I love it just because it's it's my like sort of movie. I just recently watched it with Dee Dee, and she she liked it overall. But there was a lot of times in the movie where she was very confused as to mm-hmm. what was going on. And I think that's that like there is a whole lot of moving parts in that movie. There's so yeah. much going on at once, like back on Earth, back on planet mm-hmm. one, then planet two, then planet three, and then in a yeah. wormhole, and then in a black hole. Like there's there's so much shit going on. It's kind of hard to to follow. Yeah. But Dunkirk is like anyone like there's not really any confusion as to what's going on it's like we are in a terrible terrible place we are just trying to get out of here with our lives that's all that's going on and we see the events unfold and it's like i think it's a simpler story that's for sure like it's i think a a much simpler story than interstellar because i mean this one also is it also has the fact that it it actually happened in real life so they have Hmm. things to play off of there but i think like this this is a overall like a i don't know how to like better like i think it's better made than interstellar 
Like, and that's, I, I, there's an, I've had this struggle where like, uh, internally where interstellar, there's a level to it visual effects wise that it it's it borders on unmatched by most movies period so it's it's kind of hard to hard to compare stuff to it in that regard i do think this movie is better looking on the whole um you know cuz i think it has a lot of opportunity to be you know you spend a lot of time in a space shuttle and then you spend a lot of time on an ice planet and then you spend a lot of time on a water planet and you know the the most visually interesting stuff in a sort of bland way that's not you know giant visual effects shots are actually on earth you know like it's like that's that's when the movie's at its prettiest in interstellar is yeah. whenever you are dealing with what's happening in the cornfields and and everything that's, that's happening there you know like that's and this movie i think washes that in terms of visuals it's uh it's i think it's gorgeous i think that uh that the story it tells is it's not quite as intimate but i think it's more universal you know like i think there's something that more people can connect with about dunkirk than they can with interstellar Mm -hmm. um and you know i i i I consider interstellar one of my favorite movies of all time which is the only reason i can't necessarily put it above it uh but it'll uh you know i i would be interested in giving interstellar a rewatch because it has been i i'd guess about a year since we covered it on Mm. the 52 year journey through film um at least when we covered it privately and not when it released Mm -hmm. um (laughs) But, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I think that shockingly enough, I would revisit this sooner than I would interstellar. Yeah. Um, it was in November, at least when it released. Yeah. Um, so probably September recording, I would guess mm-hmm. maybe even August, but, but no, I, I think like my enjoyment of interstellar, I think is higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I, I, I don't know that. That is interesting now that I actually think about it. It's like, because this movie is just such a different kind of enjoyment. It's mm-hmm. it's just the the shock factor. Like that every time you step back and, and think like, oh, no, like this, these were real people at one point going through this real event. And like, it's, it's not like, oh, I'm looking at Saturn right now and like how beautiful that is. Or like this black hole, like, holy shit, that looks amazing. And like the space, you know, like... There's still suspense and stuff in Interstellar, but like the suspense that builds in this movie is, I feel like unmatched. Like it, it, it doesn't. Interstellar doesn't quite touch that. Well, you know what's crazy is that like uh, what is pretty widely considered the greatest superhero movie of all time, The Dark Knight. I don't think it comes close to touching this in terms of quality. Um, I think Dunkirk is miles better than The Dark Knight. Um, yeah. Visually, like this is gonna like when we write this one it's gonna wind up high even compared to the wes anderson films which i notoriously love you know so like uh yeah that's that's just how much i like this movie you know what i'm saying and how how much i appreciate it but uh i don't know man do we have do we have any more to say on it do we want to go ahead and give it a rating do you have you given all your favorites i think yeah i think i have yeah we both went with the scene 
civilian ships. I think that was just kind of a given there. Like, man, that was really nice. Yeah, I did give that. Performance was the only one where I was kind of like, I don't really know. I liked Tommy and Fionn Whitehead. I think, like, we followed him a lot. He actually had a lot of dialogue compared to a lot of other people and a lot of, like, moral situations that he was put in. So I do think I, I will end up actually going with him. Um, but it was like a movie that no particular character or no particular, like, actor really, really stood out. And I think that's kind of on purpose. Like, I think it is just, like, oh, yeah. it's this big, grand battle that's happening. And the character is really just, like, the army. Like, it's like, yeah. it is the military. Like, it's like, that's that's really who it is. And then you have the, like... The military is one character. The civilians are, like, another character. Like, it's not even just Mr. Dawson and his little boat. It's, like, all of them that come up at the end there. Um, so it is – I don't know. I think it's just the um, – it is really weird to, like, nail down characters or performances for this one compared to, like, but other – it's really movies. fucking good, but, man. And I think yeah. that, like, that speaks volumes about the quality of this movie. You know, I think that, you know, there's there isn't necessarily a main character. You know, I think each story mm. kind of has its figure through which you are mm-hmm. seeing through, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's Harry Styles or, Fion- or uh, Fionn Whitehead on the boat or it's uh, shit. Like when you get to the, the other boat with Killian Murphy and uh, uh, Peter's actor, I can't remember his name, but yeah, I put him as my favorite character. Uh, yeah, Tom Flynn, uh, mm. Tom Flynn, Carney and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Rylance, you know, all of them kind of have different, there are different moments when you can tell the stories being told through a different one of them almost where, you know, Killian Murphy's always this sort of outsider who mm. they are just kind of observing and trying to treat with kid gloves, you know, because I mean, like he's a shell-shocked soldier. What are you going to do? Um, it's just, it's a really... It's a fascinating movie, man. Uh, mm-hmm. There's only one character who's ever singular, and it's Farrier. You know, he's the only one who's yeah. ever up there by himself. You know, and uh, uh, man, him getting captured at the end though was just like mm. God man. sacrificed himself to save everybody. Man, he's a and like at first I'm like, oh, he's landing on the you know maybe he flew to like a a safe beach or something. You know, maybe this beach is safe. I don't know. He didn't have much fuel. That doesn't make sense. And then I'm like. No, yeah, no, that's not what's happening. He either. landed right about where the boat took off from, you know, yeah. like that's oh, yeah, uh, he's right there, yeah, yeah. There's, so, but man, he just yeah, gets out and he's like, "Yep, that's it, I know, I know, had to blow his plane up, you know, set it on fire, like and he him just watching his plane burn, yeah, too. like all that was a nice shot too, just like his Gorgeous. like yeah. him just seeing all the like fire light, like you don't even see the plane, it's just Tom Hardy and like yeah. and the beach and horizon in the background, yeah. But, Man, yeah, no, this... man, I uh, I loved this movie, and the more I talked about it, the more I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, enjoy the prestige was an eight, and I'm then that makes this at bare minimum nine. You yeah, know, I mean, I think I think it. Let's see, of Wes's movies, let's see, bare minimum nine. Life Aquatic is at a nine two five. Uh, Mr. Fox is at a nine. 925 Isle of Dogs. I don't think I enjoy it as much as Asteroid City, which is at a nice. I was going to say, I was going to say, I think it uh, falls between Isle of Dogs and Asteroid City. I think it's a 9.5. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's like, this is, is a war movie that, 
out of these movies that we're covering from Nolan, I thought this was going to be the one that I didn't like the most. Like, I just, just I have no doubt this will be my favorite. Yeah, like this. I don't think there's any chance Tenet touches this for me. And I don't think so either. Like seeing like this washes Tenet. Like I like okay. I. So I this was just a, a very nice surprise. And yeah, I think I think nine five is fair is fair here. Um. Okay. Love that. Now. Love that. I mean, critically, visually, holy shit! Like yeah, and just a, the astonishing that was done. Yeah. Performances is weird. You know, usually you can say like, yeah, the performances were were wild. It's not like not any one person took the show or like I, I don't even know did anyone even win like in a like I wonder if what awards this movie won. I think it was all pretty technical. Like I think yeah. they Let's see. Um 65 wins, 233 nominated. Yeah, for... best achievement in editing, mm-hmm. film editing, sound editing and sound mixing. Okay. Yeah, that and that makes sense. Um, the score we didn't even mention the score my fucking god oh that was gorgeous dude like han zimmer was on his bullshit like we're talking this i (laughs) there's one musical beat in interstellar that just kind of rivals pretty much anything ever so it's Mm. hard for me to say that it's i think on the whole though it might it might rival interstellar in terms of quality for han zimmer um yeah, it it was also nominated for best achievement in production design, uh, cinematography, mm. directing. It was nominated for best motion picture of the year, and nominated for best music written for motion picture. So mm. it it got a lot of awards, uh, a lot of nominees. Um, no, none acting though, because nobody nobody rises above anybody else. It's all very consistent and all very. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're all kind of on similar footing. Um, I find myself again. I think I'm looking at a nine two five or nine five. Yeah, because I nine seven five. That's Grand Budapest, and I don't know if I'm ready to quite say that this is Grand Budapest. Um, but nine two five, Moonrise Kingdom, and and Mr. Fox there at a nine two five. Do we give any a nine five? We did I not. I think this would be the only nine five, and I can't confidently tell you it's. Sorry about that. Can't tell you it's better than any of those. Um, I, think I think I would go about nine two five. I think that is that is nice there. Okay. And if we do go with that, it rounds this one out to a nine three three for the average. Pretty fucking strong. Which is just barely below Asteroid City at a nine four two. Above the French Dispatch at a nine. Uh, a little bit above Darjeeling at a nine two five. But fantastic, um, Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. I feel good about it. Yeah. Definitely above the prestige mm-hmm. by about six percent. Yeah, yeah, and I do think I do think that is fair. Let's see. IMDb gave it a seven eight. Um, Feels rude. Eric, yeah, Feels not quite nice enough for me. That's a little. That's something that IMDb has a lot in common. Every mm-hmm. consistently not very nice. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, however. Mm-hmm. Has it rather kindly at a ninety-two percent critically, and an eighty-one percent audience score. So mm-hmm. we're on a similar page to Rotten Tomatoes as opposed to IMDb. In Letterboxd at a at a three eight, 
Um, so that's You'll find it. that's a pretty common rating for most most good movies. High threes. Hmm. They got to be pretty universally beloved to be four or above. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know, a very surprising movie out of this. Like, I, I didn't, I was... You know, I gained a new I gained a new addition to my top 100 favorite movies on yeah. my letterbox list. You know, I deserving. I think it's very deserving of that. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's shocked the hell out of me. Like I was like, wow, I did I just did not expect to like this movie as much as I did. Um and yeah, one just of the a first year I logged it and I was like, I have no doubt this is going to be five stars. You yeah. know, and like and I'm I'm a pretty friendly critic on Letterboxd, you know, I give a lot of stuff five stars. Mhm. But it's it's only if a movie truly resonates with me that deeply. And I, I know that a lot of movies do, but, you know, there are plenty of movies that I don't give five stars. Mm-hmm. And this one this one definitely got that out of me. So I, I enjoyed this so thoroughly and. Uh, I, I'm, I'm astonished. And this one, more than any other movie, made me excited for Oppenheimer. So I'm, mm. oh, I'm yeah. very, very hype in the same vein, same war. So. Mm-hmm. uh so, oh yeah, I uh, like, uh, maybe this was a stepping stone to get to Oppenheimer. Maybe he always knew he wanted to cover this story, but wanted to see how we do with the World yeah. War II story first. But right. either way, um, I think we're, we're, yeah, it makes me accounts. interested to see, like, do, do you think we ever dabble in any sort of warfare while we're watching Oppenheimer? Like, are there any scenes where, like, they are, mm. they, we take a look at a battle and it's like, I, I, I'm just I'm just kind of interested to see because I mean it is during World War II. Uh, it feels ripe for the ripe for the picking as far as the sort of battles you could you could explore there. But I don't know. In a three hour runtime, you'd think there'd there'd be plenty of. That's uh, true. Yeah, we, this was only hour forty, like hour yeah hour hour forty five ish. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, this was. I mean, just perfect. Like. I don't really need any more. I didn't really need any less. Like this was, mm. was perfectly like uh, as much that time hundred, as that hundred to 110 minute mark. You can pull it off in that time. You did something fucking good for me, baby. If you do it in even less fucking fantastic, you know? And that's mm. not to say that I, like I sit down and watch two and a half hour movies, three hour movies, plenty, you know? Like, yeah. I, I never just gonna... watched the Batman last night. So like yeah, I did exactly. just sit down. For like it's never, hours. it's if, if your story necessitates that, Fuck yeah, do that too. Mm-hmm. But if you can pull it off in an hour and 40 minutes, you're doing something pretty fucking good, you know? Um, oh yeah. And Dunkirk, it, it fits that vein. And I, I love this movie, so I'm, I'm very happy with it. But with that, I think we will conclude this episode of The Director's Spotlight. If you would, head to patreon.com slash pennybloompod where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content including all sorts of comic book reviews, book reviews, movie reviews, and the like. We've got a $1.50 tier where you get uh, my written reviews. I recently saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I saw Past Lives. I saw Across the Spider-Verse, all of which I plan on writing reviews for here very soon. And uh, I'm excited for you all to see those. if you would, head to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod, follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast. Remember to leave a five-star rate and review wherever you might be listening and come back next week for Tenet, directed by Christopher Nolan. We will then be one. That, that's our last movie before Oppenheimer. So we're very, very close. Um, and we're following Christopher Nolan with uh, uh, Greta Gerwig and uh, and what I'm dubbing the Greta Gerwig. Um, <laughs> nice. How yeah, about that? nice. 
Yeah, yeah, got some Greg Gerwig coming for us um, in those days uh, in, the, in the week after Oppenheimer. So a couple weeks removed from Barbie. But um, yeah, it'll be po- polar. That's a very big switch there. Big switch up. Big War switch up from. And, yeah, and then yeah. To empowering women. You know, I, I haven't even seen any of those movies, but uh, that's, that's a quite the big Nolan, switch. Nolan and Gerwig are not the same type of filmmaker by any <laughs> means. Um, yeah, I wouldn't think but, so. But. No, I'm very, very excited for that. But uh, yeah, and then the comic book movie Journey Through Film is going on right now. Uh, last week was Blade Trinity, and this week is Electra, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. We got Electra coming this Friday, so we're on a streak of just uh, wonderful movies there. Um, and we're continuing our Game of Thrones rewatch right now on Mondays. So we got a lot going on for you. Patreon for three dollars a month, you can get the audio content that accompanies this podcast as well. Um, just all sorts of stuff there. So remember to go check that out. Um, yeah, I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. Remember, peace, love, and bloom. And what do you see? Home.